in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just want to uh, make really clear that Tuesday night is not a Northreach uh, Baptist Church prayer meeting. It's a Townsville city and regional prayer meeting. Uh, we're hosting and we're jumping on board the passion and desire that's been in our city for a long time uh, to preach and live and pray for transformation in our city. However, uh, in jumping on board, we're wanting to say, really want to do this well, and we need you as part of doing this well. We'll have speakers who will lead us from the front, uh, just speaking the truth out loud. Uh, this is what's happening in our city. These are agencies that are involved. This is how we can pray. And then we'll have uh, spiritual leaders from throughout the city uh, standing here and leading us in prayer. I, uh, I have a, a desire to see this place needing to hold prayer meetings more regularly than a few times on a Tuesday night uh, because we can't fit people in. And hiring venues in the city or going to public parks where uh, there are thousands of us meeting together to pray for our city and region. Not sure if you're with me on that, uh, but that's my dream. That's where we're going. That's what this is about. Uh, and you'll also notice when we haven't said we're praying for youth crime, we're praying for youth to be transformed. Amen? Let's come together and pray on Tuesday, 7pm. If there's a member of your household who can come, uh, please send a representative. If you can organise for kids to be sat and you can sit together and pray uh, you do what you can do in order that we get this waterfall of prayer uh, and a river of flowing blessing in our city. I want to announce to you that Jesus is the Son of Man. This is important for all that we believe as Christians. The, the gospel narrative hangs really strongly on this truth. Jesus is the Son of Man, but what does it mean and how do we understand it? And this morning we're going to kind of progress through that a little bit. It is a challenge and I want to read from John's Gospel. So chapter 3, if you've got a Bible, we'll be starting John chapter 3 from verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Tracy and I flew to Melbourne last week to catch up with our children. We lived in Melbourne for 10 years uh, from uh, 2019 backwards and uh, it was an, it's an interesting place. We built a house there uh, way out towards the Yarra Valley in a place called, it's right on the border of Muralbuck and Lilydale if you're familiar with the outer east of Melbourne. Uh, Churnside Park is our local kind of shopping centre and uh, we, we enjoyed living there for such a time as we were called there to minister in that region. Uh, since I've left, I feel like I'm home, I'm back in Queensland, uh, this is cool, but if I want to see the kids, I've got to get on a plane and go three hours south, uh, get out. Now, when we arrived at Townsville Airport uh, last Sunday evening, uh, Easter Sunday night, we were going to get on a plane at 8.10. That was the plan, right? Uh, but I wasn't long at the airport. We'd checked in and then I got the text to say the plane had delayed. Anybody experienced that before? Yeah, so really enjoyable experience. They've got nice, comfortable chairs there. You hang out with your wife. It's just superb. And you're thinking about the fact that my kids were planning to pick me up at 11.35 at night. Will they still be there? <laughs> <laughs> when when we arrived. So, I don't know, 1am, somewhere close to that, we, we jumped into the car and headed out towards the Yarra Valley. So there's an expectation. I used to live in a house that's in the outer east of Melbourne. Um, I used to live there with six of us as a family, right, and we'd have various visitors from time to time. Um, and now my children live there. So I have this new experience called visitor to the old house uh, and let's see what we find when we get there. Uh, I had planted a lot of trees or shrubs really that I discovered became trees, uh, very large, some of them, and the house that was full of Gary and Tracy's furniture, much of it went to hard rubbish, so I understand, and... Uh, I walked in, having experienced the driveway and looking and seeing there's a bit of work here this week, got some trees to trim, that's really cool, we'll go inside. Pinterest Plus, it's like, I couldn't live in this place, it's too tidy. It's amazing what my girls have done with this shell of a house that we used to have and furniture everywhere uh, was pretty cool. So I had that other experience of love what they've done with the place, you know. <laughs> it was really an awkward but surreal experience to return to Melbourne where we'd lived for 10 years uh, and then visit supposedly, I mean we still pay the mortgage, uh, supposedly our house but looking so different. And then the next four days a few trailer loads to the tip 
And that's not something you want to do too much of if you can avoid it. It's not about the work. It's about what they charge you at the tip when you get there. Uh, $95 for a large load at, at the tip in Melbourne. Life is full of experiences, full of consequences, full of decisions, uh, full of things that you would, like if we had to write down what are the most important things in life, what would we write? Like for me, post-Easter, really enjoyed Easter as a family of God here. That was an awesome experience. Love the contribution of people coming together. Uh, it was nice, really, really valuable for me and for Trace to experience remembering the truth of Easter uh, together with our church family. That was cool. But then there was this sense of anticipation uh, to get down and see our daughters and our married son, new, newly married son and our daughter-in-law that we love. It, it, that was cool. It's a mix of emotions. Like if I'm going to write down what's on my list of priorities, I've I got a mixture of things that I'd write. First world problems, right? Life has its complexities and different challenges. And when we look at life, there are memories that are keepers. I've got plenty of them. Stories of winning and success, things and events that we cherish, and there are also things that we're happy to forget or we know that we won't forget. And they're sometimes the painful things. And that's part of life. We all have a different list, physical, emotional, spiritual. Some of us have a long list. Some of us, it's a bit shorter. Always we have a different list of necessary things in our life. I feel like it would be a worthwhile exercise to think through what are the necessary things that are on your list. What would get onto your list of necessary things? And certainly if we're going to be super obvious, right, and scientific, one of the things that I need on my list is oxygen so that I can breathe and live. Uh, not sure whether you've already got that one on your list. Another necessary thing is food and clothing and what we're going to drink and all of the mundane things of the world. We can't ignore that. But I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that our list would look different from Jesus' list in the passage that we're going to explore today. It's unlikely that we're ever thinking exactly like Jesus would think. For him, it was necessary to die. We heard it over Easter. And remember that Jesus tried to prepare his disciples that he'd face death. He told them he was going to Jerusalem and that that would mean pain and suffering and finally a real death. He also mentioned his resurrection. For Jesus, all of those things were on his list. And he considered it necessary, definitely on his list of necessary things. And for mankind and us, for us sitting here today and all generations to come, I'm going to say that all of those things were also necessary 
because they're right here in today's verses. In verses 14 and 15 of John 3, the Son of Man must be lifted up, must be lifted up. And we're also told uh, in Luke 9 and 22, where Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples, that he says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Now, I want to, there's no license to add to scripture, right, ever. Uh, But just because we're here and we're all friends, I think you'll allow me just this one indiscretion that when I read that last sentence, he must be killed and on the third day be raised to, there's a capital N here, E and a W, new life. Now, the importance of that will pop up as we progress. But I want to say to you, think about what the resurrection really is. It's not just kind of uh, getting another start. It's not just kind of, you know, flicking the switch. It was dark and you flick the switch and it comes light and there's been some kind of a change, uh, electricity or whatever. Uh, This is a whole transformation. Once was, now is. And you don't get that without passing through what we learn in the Easter story as uh, three days in the tomb. Okay? You You don't get resurrection without death. You don't get life... Uh, without there being no life. And I feel like it's really important when I say Jesus is the Son of Man that we understand he was really a man. Yes, he's the Son of God, 100%. But he's also fully God and fully man. So Jesus, as the Son of Man, lifts the Easter story into transformation territory. That if he's not the son of man, if he's not truly physically a man, uh, there's some stuff that we miss theologically. But we don't miss it because he was. We got that? Now, with that solidly in our minds, uh, let's progress through this. It's totally necessary that he would be killed. And it's one of the necessary things in life for Jesus as the Son of Man. There is no escape for Jesus. Remember uh, Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus says, you know, not my will, your will, but hey. And, and God goes, thanks for being faithful, you're going to go through this. Because there's no other way for salvation. There's a a reality that sin pays off with death. There has to be a death. And God's plan was that Jesus would suffer the death that we deserve. Sin pays off with death. And we can be thankful that there was no escape for Jesus. Pretty much sums up our Easter experience. But no escape for Jesus means there's a great escape for us. 
escape from punishment for our sins, escape from any sense of condemnation or failure or entrapment. In fact, we now experience the absolute opposite reality. We get freedom from the penalty of sin and death. How good is that? How great is our God? We get life and we're expected to live our life to the fullest, abundantly, and escape even from death. So these simple words carry a load of meaning for us. The Son of Man must be lifted up. In other words, he must be put on a cross and face death. The Son of Man must be lifted up. And for the world's salvation, uh, we see in the uh, third chapter of John, a little bit earlier than verse 14 where we picked it up, uh, where the Nicodemus story really illuminates some of what uh, the gospel message is. We've got important questions that Nicodemus, who effectively is the chairman of the church council, asks Jesus. He comes to Jesus at night so others wouldn't see him and he came to Jesus wondering if Jesus was actually the person that he knew was the Messiah that was coming. Nicodemus knew all there was to know about the Messiah. He knew that he had been promised in the Old Testament. He was a student of the Old Testament. So he knew that the Messiah was to come. And in John 3 and verse 3, Jesus tells him that a man must be born again. We've got it underlined there on the slide. Possibly, probably... The strangest thing Nicodemus heard ever, but definitely the strangest thing that he expected to hear on this day. But Jesus wanted to teach a truth that was life-changing. And so he repeats it in verse 5, also underlined, when Jesus states, you must be born of water and of spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus doesn't understand it. Jesus says to him, you're a teacher of the law, you're a teacher in God's house and you do not know these things. You have to remember, I believe, that Nicodemus had in his mind earthly things. Nicodemus had a practical list of necessary things in his heart and in his mind and if he was asked, what's on your list of necessary things lots of practical, earthly gain-type things would get onto his list. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew because Jesus knows this is what this man needs to hear, that you must be born again. And it's so practical. He, he deals with the practical, he deals with the physical and the spiritual and he says born of water but then born of the spirit because Nicodemus had a list of necessary things that were very earthy his whole world of religion and lifestyle was driven by practical and earthly gains and what we learn from this is that we too can easily miss the mark on the basic principles of how and what Christianity really is. We can see it as practical and we can miss the spiritual. We can totally identify with the earthly endeavour and completely miss the heavenly. 
Uh, simply because we are human and we breathe air and we eat food and we drink water, uh, that fact limits us from sometimes understanding the spiritual. You see, Jesus had to be lifted up onto the cross to pay the penalty of sin in our world, to free sinners and to offer life, new life. But unless we're born again of the Spirit, we're no different. We never change. And Jesus' sacrifice has no application for us. Wouldn't that be sad? And isn't that sad for so many people that Easter is real, Easter happened, Jesus did die, he did pay the price for sin, sin pays off with death, he did die, there was death and then there was new life, he was raised to new life, isn't it sad when that can't be applied because of unbelief? That such a high price was paid Jesus was prepared to go to the cross, pay the price. And yet there remains for some unbelief. Unless we're born again of the Spirit, we will never be any different. We have to action our response and enter into the life that Jesus won for us. Enter into his victory. That's why Jesus tries to get Nicodemus to stop thinking with an earthly mind and concentrate on those things that are necessary, those things that are spiritual. He wants Nicodemus to put life on his list of necessary things. He does, he does this by, first of all, using an example from the history that Nicodemus knew. Remember, the passage starts, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him must have eternal life. Nicodemus knew as well as anybody breathing in this time of history, Nicodemus knew the history of the children of Israel. He studied it. It was his thing. It was his own history and ancestry. He knew that they wandered in the wilderness and at one time when they were grumbling and complaining, snakes came and bit the children of Israel and they died. And they were only saved when Moses, under God's direction, raised up a bronze snake. So Jesus is challenging the physical. He's calmly and amazingly reminding Nicodemus that we shouldn't be focused entirely on the physical. He wants us to know that life is both physical and spiritual because how can looking at an inanimate object like a bronze idol snake, if you want to call it that, a snake made out of metal, how can that save anybody? And, and my simple answer would be, <laughs> it can't. It's not going to happen. And yet people lived when they looked at this held up snake they looked at a metal snake and they were saved they did not die the bible says and you know it happened because god caused it to be so 
God caused it to happen the way that it happened. He said it and it happened. They looked at a physical object, but the transforming power from God was spiritual. And so I learned from that that the physical alone can do little, nothing. But the physical with the spiritual, born of water and born of the spirit, is everything. So the son of man must be lifted up. He'd be lifted up on a cross. Jesus was historically placed on the cross. He died on that cross. That was a physical body, the son of man who was lifted up. A real man. And obviously the difference is Jesus, our saviour, was a living, breathing, physical person. He was the son of man person. He wasn't a bronze statue. Yet he would be lifted up so that people wouldn't be saved just for their earthly stuff, but will be saved for everlasting life. That encouraging? He was alive physically. He died and clinically his body was dead. He's placed in a tomb and then he rose to new life. New life, as Paul explains it to us. Spiritually and bodily, physically, now alive again. That's the resurrection. That's our resurrection story. Born of water, born of spirit. Thanks, Nicodemus, for asking that question, yeah? So we can have clarity from the Son of Man, who is also the Son of God. Wow. And that's all done. All of it. Because God has a great love for us. So a little further down in chapter 3 of John, we've probably got the most famous passage of all. And it only makes full sense when we understand the preceding explanation in chapter 3. We've talked about it so much already and and especially today. But John 3.16, the verse that's so well known, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only And can I have some license again? His one and only son of man. Or we could kind of flick son of God in there. But if he's not the son of man, we've lost the importance of the sacrifice. He was truly God, but he was truly man. Jesus is the son of man. And God loved the world so much he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's our gospel story. That describes God's love. Nicodemus, who was struggling with these spiritual things, is reminded of God's great love for mankind. And Jesus tells us of this love of sending the son and the reason that he came in verse 17. He gives us the purpose 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he does not believe in the name of God's only begotten son. So there are those back in the day who do not believe. There were the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of the day, the Roman government, lots of the Jews. Uh, Pilate didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. And you've got the crowds who wanted a different kind of saviour. That's all in our Easter story as well. They did not believe. And therefore they stood condemned. Not because Jesus is some hard-nosed and unfair judge but because of their own unbelief. Once again, let me say, isn't it sad that we have the Easter story, we have the truth of the gospel, and yet there remains unbelief for a lot of people. Isn't that sad? That for all time, Jesus stayed on the cross, and this was part of our Easter message, long enough to be able to say three words. Remember them? It is, it is finished. I've done what I've come to accomplish. It's finished. My work of salvation is done. And death. But because of their own unbelief, because of their own hardness of heart, there remains no salvation for many. I think that's just terrible. So sad. Because people have on their list of necessary things their own way according to their physical list of stuff and they miss the spiritual altogether. So what's on our list? We're back to our question. What's on our list? And, and my challenge is, it can't be all spiritual. Because as I look at the, the gospel narrative, there's no point in the spiritual if there's not the physical reality of life. You agree with me with that? Like God chose to give us humanity. He chose to give us life. So we can't ignore that. But what we do is that's where we stay. And we need this balance of both the physical, the real, and the spiritual. God. Our challenge is not to miss the spiritual things. The Son of Man must be lifted up for the world's salvation, came as Saviour of all mankind. And in Acts 4, it's Peter, the apostles are giving uh, explanation, they're preaching the gospel, they're, they're just on fire with a message that's transformed their heart and they want that experience for everybody. And uh, Peter says... Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 
That name is Jesus. His name means to save people from their sins. So Jesus is saviour. Not just a few people, not just a few chosen people. He came to save the whole world. The whole world is born into this sinful world. The prophet Isaiah says this, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So none of us are exempt. If we have life and breath in this world, then we have sin that clings to us. And also if we have life and breath and faith in this world, we have a saviour who clings to us and forgives us our sins because God has laid our iniquity onto him. Last thing I want to say is all of this is grace. All of this is about, sure, sacrifice, and there had to be the Easter story, but what a gracious gift. It's important for us to remember that. Ephesians reminds us in chapter 2, 8 and 9, for it's by grace you've been saved, through faith. So it's not something we deserve. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Out of darkness, God brings us into his light. Jesus is a son of man. He came to live and to die because he must be lifted up to provide salvation for the whole world. And then resurrection to new spiritual life. I want to pray. I want to encourage you once again to find it uh, some kind of practical way uh, for you to understand this message but apply it. And the, the practical is so simple. Open your heart. Open your heart. Let God bring in his love. Father, we just simply want to acknowledge that everything is about you. Lord Jesus, your obedience even unto death has transformed our world. It's transformed individuals transform cities and we want to be in we want to be part so we invite your transforming power to reign in our lives individually in our church in our city in our country in our world we love you lord meet us at our point of need speak to each of us according to the message that you want to provide to our heart today. We invite your spirit to work.